Hello, it's Robert Bathurst here. I was one of the first guests on My Time Capsule, and Mike has asked me to tell you that you can now listen to the podcast ad-free by subscribing to Acast Plus. Details of how to join are in the description of each episode. Mike says it's very reasonably priced. In fact, Mike says it's a bargain. And who am I to disagree? Locked here in his cellar. Anyway, for a small subscription, Acast Plus, My Time Capsule, ad-free. Free. Unlike me. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to My Time Capsule. My name's Mike Fenton-Stevens, and my time capsule is the podcast where I ask people to tell me the five things from their life that they would like to keep in a time capsule. They pick four things that they cherish and one thing they'd like to bury and forget. And that's it. My guest in this episode is the comedian, writer, and actress known for her sharp wit, infectious energy, and captivating stage presence, Zoe Lyons. Zoe first tried stand-up in 2003 and quickly made a name for herself on the UK comedy circuit. Zoe's breakthrough came in 2004 when she won the Funny Women competition, which led to appearances on various television shows, including Mock the Week, The Right Stuff and Nevermind the Buzzcocks. In 2008, she performed her first solo show at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, which earned her a nomination for the If.Comedy Award, formerly known as the Perrier Award. Since then, of course, she's become a regular on the comedy festival circuit, touring extensively in the UK and internationally. In addition to her live comedy work, Zoe has also made numerous appearances on television and radio, including Live at the Apollo, The John Bishop Show, 8 Out of 10 Cats and The News Quiz. She's also written for several TV shows, including Mock the Week, The News Quiz and The Now Show. Zoe is known for her sharp, intelligent humour, which often tackles social and political issues with a fresh and original perspective. She's also a staunch advocate for LGBTQ plus rights. Overall, Zoe Lyons is one of the most talented and respected comedians working in the UK today. And it's not surprising, as she's the sort of person who, with a day's notice, will agree to chat to someone like me, even though we've never met, for their podcast. 
in a small, slightly noisy office backstage at the theatre, where a few hours later, she will entertain a packed house. As she says in her act, although she's not being serious, in five to ten years, she's going to be a national treasure. Ridiculous thing to say, obviously. Clearly, she's already achieved that status. Here is the delightful Zoe Lyons. Well, here we are then at the Trinity Theatre in Tunbridge Wells. Yes. Where you're about to perform. Yes, later on this evening, we're currently sitting in... Well, how would we describe this, Michael? This is, um, <laughs> this is the cupboard where they've stuck everything that they don't quite know what to do with, don't they? We've got a microwave and quite a lot of cabling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Showbiz. Office, the glamour of it all. Oh, the, the blunt end of theatre. <laughs> <laughs> but then I know you do these shows again and again, and I suppose I'm thinking about if I was doing a, a play, mm. and I've been doing it for a while, I'd be reasonably relaxed. Yeah. But I'm always amazed at how at ease stand-up comedians are, because it's just you. Yeah. Yes, it is. I don't. Are we all at ease? I don't know. It might be the swan effect, where it looks like it's at ease on the surface, but underneath, the legs are yeah. pedalling away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm probably more at ease on this tour than I've been for a long time. And I think that's because of the nature of what I'm talking about and because... Yeah, the, the strap line for the show is literally what's the worst thing that could possibly happen because I think over the last three years we've sort of, we've been close to that. Yeah. So now I'm sort of relaxed about stuff. I'm I'm old enough, to, as my mum would say, old enough and ugly enough to know that, you know, if one show doesn't go well, it won't. It won't affect the rest of my life in no. any massive way, shape or form. It'll affect that evening and possibly, you know, penetrate further into the week. But otherwise, I've got enough back catalogue to know that, yeah, yeah we're all right. Yeah. It'll be OK. And of course, the strange thing about audiences are that they don't know that it didn't go well. Yeah, sometimes, I suppose as a comic, you really feel that in Edinburgh when you're doing the festival in Edinburgh, when you're doing sort of 25 shows back mm. to back, mm. because... It's in the same space every night. It is essentially the same show over and over and over and over again. But the, it can vary so much by, you know, the energy in the room, the energy that the audience have brought with them. You know, if my timing's slightly off, mm. then you just feel like the whole thing's fallen apart. But, yeah, you're right. The audience don't really pick up on those little minutiae details that you get so hung up about. Yeah. 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 Well, they come away saying, I thought it was really funny. And yeah. you say, but you didn't laugh. Yeah. Oh, God, that happens all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And a comic will only ever find the face in the room that isn't laughing. <laughs> we will zoom in instantly to the face that isn't laughing. I had it the other night in Newcastle. And I was like, what's her problem? And I just kept going back to look at her. And I was going, is she hating this or loving? Is that, is that a laugh or a grimace? I was trying to work it out. And in the end, I was like, just stop looking at her, Zoe. Just move on to the people who are clearly enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah. And do you, uh, in those circumstances, do you say to people, do you know you're really a shit audience or, or not? Oh, do you know what? I have. Mm. And it's never a good idea. Not a good idea no, at all, it's no. never a good idea. Because I'd say nine out of ten times you've misread it. Yeah. You know, you've yeah. misread it. And audiences have, they take on their own personality. You know, you can have a quiet audience mm-hmm. thoroughly enjoying it. You can have a raucous audience. You can, you know, they, they do have a personality. And sometimes if you've got a big laugher in that audience, the rest of the audience will follow that person. There's a sort, they'll sort of, you know, choreograph it. Well, I'm coming so, to see it tonight and I'm a big laugher. Oh, you're a big laugher. Good, good. I am. I've got a big laugh. Around, laugh Mike, that'd be great. Although, yeah. maybe too much. Okay. So that can push you the other way, can't I've it? had that as well. Mm-hmm. And it's the weirdest thing in a comedy show to have to ask somebody to stop laughing. <laughs> yeah. But you can have people that laugh 
out of sync, <laughs> you know, or or too much. You're going, I know I've written this, I thought it was funny, but you're giving it more than it deserves. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I've learned not to, yeah, I reel my ego in and I've learned not to react to, if I feel like, you know, this deserves more, I've just... Keep smiling, keep yeah, yeah. it. Yeah. Because you do see shows occasionally. I see a lot of stand-up shows, and mm. occasionally someone will take umbrage. Oh, yeah. And they get a bit chippy. And yeah. you think, uh, hang on a minute, actually, no, we're, we're all right. Yeah. We're fine. We're relaxed and we're enjoying ourselves. Yeah. We're not now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now, now you've made it awkward. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I have done that. I have. I've, I've listened to the voice in my own head and, and made it, yeah, slightly uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, oh, I should have just left. It's like it. that thing when somebody says to you, what's wrong? Yeah. And you go, nothing. nothing. They go, no, come on, what's wrong? Yeah. You go, nothing. Yeah. yeah. And then things aren't wrong. It's this. Yeah, it's yeah. his face. <laughs> I'll find something if you keep pushing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I've got better at um, pushing through and performing it. Mm. Yeah. So what is it about the nature of this show then that you find more relaxing and more easy? I think, well, I think it's because... Uh, I'm talking about a difficult period of my life that I went through. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Whenever I do talk about it, I am reminded of how horrible that was. And I'm just really happy to be through it and I'm being able to, you know, utilise it and turn it into funny. Yeah. So there's a, there's a sort of sense of relief, I think, about that. And I went through a phase, you know, when um, during the pandemic and when I, I lost 80% of my hair through alopecia and I, I went through a, a very long phase of not wanting to perform and I... I sort of resigned myself to the fact that I probably wouldn't again. Mm. Just because I didn't want to expose myself, I suppose, is the right, you know. Mm. I didn't feel like it wasn't in the right headspace, literally. Mm. (laughs) And my headspace was very bald. (laughs) So I didn't, I just, I just struggled with it. I struggled with it. I really, really did. And bizarrely, having taken control of it and talking about it, it's the thing that's got me through it. And now I'm enjoying performing it. Yeah. I'm enjoying talking about it and, yeah. It's a strange thing, isn't it? It can come up just like that. Yeah, yeah. It's an auto... It's, I've got alopecia areata, which is an autoimmune condition, mm. and it's when your healthy... Your body attacks its own healthy cells for some reason. And I've always known mine is stress-triggered, and it's there's a, there is a strong connection between stress and alopecia. It yeah. can happen. It's not always the case. It's no. not always the case. Sometimes it is a complete mystery as to why it's, you know, it's inflammatory and... But I know mine is stress triggered, and then mm. you know the irony of it is, it's quite stressful to lose your hair. So you know you yeah. get more stressed, and then more stressed. Right, particularly and then more for stressed. a woman, for a man, yeah. it might be something you'd expect. Yes, I think maybe. Um, I think as society, you sort of visually see it a lot more. You sort mm. of uh, yeah. That's not to say that men men really struggle with it as well. They really you know. I've, I have a, I have more sympathy now and empathy with the guys that lose their hair, particularly early on in their lives, yeah. you know. Yeah. And it's like you say, we are more used to seeing it and we kind of go, oh, he's just a poor bloke. But actually, so much of your personality is in your hair. Absolutely. Yeah. And also, you, to a large extent, with the young people, their youth. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I just, you know, and it's really weird to look in the mirror and not see you. And so I was feeling very, very depressed and then I didn't look like me either. So mm. that's the motivation to get up on stage and make people laugh was very much not there. Yeah, yeah I can imagine. Very much not there. And yeah. I had to really dig deep to find that, yeah. yeah. I yeah. had a friend who had alopecia universalis. Yes, yeah. So e- everything. Every, every single hair in her body. Yeah, 
everything goes. I, it was just the hair on my head, um, and except for one half of an eyebrow went as well, but it's grown back. But actually, I found that more distressing than anything else. I thought, God, if I lose my eyebrows, because I've got, I quite like my eyebrows. They're a little bit, um, they've got a touch of the spocks about them. So I, <laughs> I was like, oh, if I lose those, I don't know. I'll find that very hard. But yeah, half fell out and then it grew back. So, But yeah. yes, it's very difficult if you think, this is how I look. And these are the expressions I do. This yeah. is the faces I make, and they work. And yeah. I've done them all the yeah. time. People like them. Yeah, because I am a clown. I mean, I'm a clown on stage. I'm I'm very physical on stage, and I do a lot of movement and yeah expressions. So mm. yeah, it's been so cathartic actually, and so um, beneficial. To actually, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Well, I'm delighted yeah. for you. Yeah, thank yeah. you. I'm looking forward to seeing the show. Yeah, <laughs> I should when I do the outro of this podcast, I would say. <laughs> I swear it was bloody shit. It was absolutely appalling. I'm glad she feels better for doing it, but quite <laughs> frankly, that's an hour and a half I'll never get back. <laughs> I'm sure that won't be the case. <laughs> Lovely. So um, so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about five things that you've chosen yeah. that you're going to pick from your life that you'd like to put into a time capsule. Yeah. Mm. Well, the first one I want to put in yeah. is a roll of caps that you put into a toy gun. <laughs> do you remember that? I do, yeah. The sort of deep salmon pink coloured paper caps mm. with the little pouches of well, no, gunpowder in them. Yeah. And uh, you used to put them in your toy gun and the snap of the trigger on it would, would uh, explode the, the gunpowder. <laughs> and the smell of it... It's, I only have to think of the caps and I can smell that gunpowder. And it's so... That's my childhood, running mm. around. You're playing cowboys, you know. And uh, I suppose that was my favourite toy when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, I grew up in rural Ireland. I didn't have many friends at all. I had one... There was a boy that lived next door to me. And that was it, really. I had older cousins, but, yeah, one friend, Robert. And uh, so it was a lot of tomfoolery and, and tomboy playing mm. and chasing each other about. Yeah, if you've got one friend and it's Robert, then basically yeah. he's going to say, let's shoot guns. Let's shoot guns, yeah. yeah. We shot guns, little toy guns, and <laughs> we, my dad cut off old golf clubs and we splattered cow pats together in the field. <laughs> that was our entertainment. That was it. <laughs> what more do you need? That's it. That is. <laughs> yeah. I think they make quite a good... If you leave them long enough on a hot day, a frisbee, it becomes... So, yeah, I had cow pats and, <laughs> and cap guns, and that was it. But the smell of it is so... Um, it just... It, it takes me straight back. I can... I'm, I'm six again. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, there's nothing more exciting than something exploding, I think. Yeah, yeah. Do you look forward to Christmas then and Christmas crackers? Is that the same smell? It's a similar smell, similar, isn't it? Isn't it? That is a, it's a similar smell. Mm. Yeah, it is. That tiny little explosion in the cracker is that gunpowdery smell. I think it was the excitement as well of having a whole full pack of caps. Yeah. That was like, wow, we've got... A lot of... <laughs> I'm well got a, Yeah, we've got a lot of snapping here to do, yeah. Yeah, so I had a very tomboyish upbringing because I didn't have any girlfriends. I had Robert. I had Robert and I had an imaginary friend called Boy and that was it growing up, so, yeah. Another boy? Another boy, you, yeah. When you could imagine it, you could make it anything. Yeah, yeah. And, and how long were you in Ireland then? So from, like, six months old to about nine, 
Eight or nine, right. yeah. So I was. So did you have an Irish accent? Then? I did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Strong Irish accent. It was taught by nuns. The whole works. So yeah, my dad's mm. Irish, my mum's English. So mm. yeah, I had a very strong Irish but, and accent. And then what? You came over to England. Came over to Surrey, mm. Epsom, and then uh, when my parents separated, uh, we moved to Glasgow. So um, <laughs> yeah, so it's sort of taken in quite a lot of mm-hmm. Ireland and the United Kingdom. But as a comic, and I've talked about this before, it's really handy because you learn how to mimic. Yeah. You trained as an actress, though, didn't you? I went to the poor school in London when I left university, yeah. Mm. Yeah. I did a two-year course there. I sort of realised at the end of that that it probably wasn't for me acting because it's so... You're so dependent on other people giving you work. And I just thought, I can't live my life waiting to be chosen. I've got to, again, take control of it. And mm. I thought, well, if I wrote stand-up, I could just do... I could do stand-up. And it seemed like the simplest thing in the world. You just write some stuff. <laughs> and then you go to a, as it was, very smoky room above a pub somewhere in London, <laughs> and you deliver your stuff. And people either laugh or they don't laugh, and that's it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, OK. And I did that for a little bit, and then, you know, I started getting 15, 20 quid cash. You're like, I am now... Earning, yeah. Yeah, I had a very clear idea in my head of what I wanted to do. And it's a wonderful thing, isn't it, that if you say, that's what I want to do, you can just turn up. Yeah. You don't have to write application forms. You don't have to get any qualifications. No, you just do it. You just turn up and start talking. Just turn up and start talking. I mean, it's never easy starting out. It was a lot of driving, a lot of loneliness, a lot of... Mm. Yeah, I mean, I used to drive to York and back in a night, you know, do yeah. 10 minutes and then get back in the car and drive oh, back. Oh, my word. You know, it's crazy. Every stand-up comedian I've spoken to has told me stories like that, and I just think you deserve everything you get because having gone through that, <sighs> yeah, it's so dispiriting. It's really, really dispiriting. And sometimes you'd die on your ass at the gig as well. It wouldn't go well either. So you'd drive for six hours, get out of the car, die horrifically on stage, curl up in a ball of shame, get back in the car and then drive home. And it was just, you know, and you're like, what am I doing? What am I doing? Yeah. You've got a six-hour drive to contemplate oh, it. Oh, God. I remember once driving to Plymouth... I was getting 100 quid, which was a lot of money. I was mm. like, right, brilliant. OK, but yeah. it's Plymouth. So let's yeah. say 40 quid on petrol if I drive at, you know, optimal speed, <laughs> get the most out of it. Uh, I'll buy a sandwich, probably. That's another five for gone. Uh, give my agent some. That's another sort of 15 quid. God, I'll make £35. I'm like, OK, in Plymouth. OK, not bad. And driving to Plymouth, I got flashed by a speed camera. I went, well, that's that's the profit <laughs> now gone. That's a 60 quid fine. I'm now minus... £25, <laughs> and I haven't even got there yet. <laughs> I might the even The whole die. journey, I was like, oh, God, this is... Oh, I owe people money, and I'm... Oh, God. <laughs> and you reach for the CD and oh, God. slip in, all yeah. by oh, myself. There's been a lot of crying and singing in that in those first cars, yeah. Oh, Lord, yeah. Zoe. yeah. It's but a, if you want something, you've got to go for it. Indeed. You? And and it's why I think anybody who makes it really deserves it. Yeah. I mean, there are times now when I do corporate work and I do get paid handsomely mm-hmm. for it. And I have to check myself because I go, oh, God, you know, I don't know whether I deserve Then I remember that Plymouth journey. I go, oh, yes, this is why you're doing this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I do deserve it. I do. I have put in the work. I haven't just rocked up. I have put in quite a few hours. Yeah. Mm. 
And with that, you can buy as many caps as you oh, like. So many caps. <laughs> so many caps, yeah. Fantastic. Well, yeah. let's take those in. And, and the smell, I think. Has yeah, to, the I, smell. I think, have you opened that time capsule? Oh, it just have ma- to have yeah. it wafting out. Waft out at you. Lovely. Yeah. All right, let's put that in. That's the first thing. Yeah. Well done. And the, next, the next thing I want to put in is, uh, again, from my childhood, mm. 70s. I don't know whether you remember these. It's an evil Knievel on a motorbike. Little toy. I do, yeah. Yeah. And he had a little cape and his <laughs> white, red and blue outfit. Mm-hmm. And uh, you could pull him back and I think he went over a ramp, like a sort of thing. It was amazing. <laughs> and um, I want that because it so reminds me of a period of time. We lived in America for about six months when my, my dad got transferred over to the States when I was about five, six years old. Mm. So we went from rural island to Philadelphia, <laughs> Pennsylvania, we were in Pennsylvania. And I think it was the first time I've seen proper <laughs> technicolour in the world. It was like somebody turning on the colour of a TV, like a previously black and white television. Mm. Because I, up to that point, lived my whole life in rural Ireland, which is, you know... Green. Weather, it's green, but the weather is a challenge. Mm-hmm. And um, when it's not green, it's predominantly grey. Yeah. And then I arrived, we arrived in America, and I still remember the car that my dad picked up at the airport. It was a huge shooting brake, <laughs> massive thing with, like, wood panels down one oh, side. Wow. The classic, you know, mm. slight blue tint of the, of the windscreen. That beautiful 70s, yeah. Yeah. And the colour of everything, the sky was aqua blue. Um, lollipops were massive. <laughs> and... Uh, I remember just thinking, wow, something just got turned on in my head. And it was around about the time of Evil Knievel as well. And I had another I had another boyfriend <laughs> we lived there called Kevin. And he had um he had all of the Evil Knievel toys. He also had a chopper bicycle, which uh, I coveted. Mm, yeah. Completely really. impractical. Oh, totally impractical. Was it, was it one of the ones where the gear stick yeah. was on the middle in front of you? Yeah. Fantastic. Just a beautiful, yeah. beautiful thing. And he, his parents had two cars and they both had walkie-talkies in them. And so we'd spend our days, he'd sit in one car and I would sit in another car and we would talk to each other across the CB radios and then play with our Evil Knievel toys. Yeah. yeah. It um, seems bizarre, doesn't it, to have that toy because you think, so well, he's on a motorbike, it's going to fall over, isn't it? Yeah. It didn't have sort of I like... I think it had a little stand at the back. It I think did. It had, yeah. I think the toy was probably... More successful at jumping jumps than actual evil Knievel. I think he <laughs> he didn't have a he didn't, he didn't have a clean record with things. It was no. um, yeah. Come on, watch evil Knievel crash. It was a lot of that, wasn't there? There was a, it, it was really fifty fifty. Was yes. I think he was jumping on Harley Davidsons at one point, which are not a machine you should be jumping on. You can't no. get the speed up. In no, the and they're so heavy. It was absolutely that. Because I had a friend who went to see. He loves telling this story. I have a friend who went to see Evil Knievel tried to jump. 17 buses yeah, or something yeah. at Wembley Stadium. Oh, yeah. And yeah. in order to get the speed up, he had to start off somewhere on the A40. Yeah. <laughs> and he would just come into the stadium. But yeah. of course, it only takes about 15 seconds to jump these buses. Yeah. And that's what he was going to do. Yeah. And they're there for the whole evening. Yeah. So people are desperately trying to entertain them. Yeah. And they called on every celebrity and they said, Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Bruce Forsyth. And the whole crowd were oh, hello. Yeah. And then, ladies and gentlemen, Ralph Harris. Yeah. In his time, yeah. and he came on and did a bit of wobbling his wobble yeah. board and stuff. 
Uh, and then, then they went, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Tony Blackburn. And as one, the entire crowd shouted, wanker! Oh, my God, really? Yes. Oh, no! He said, which was the best part of the evening. <laughs> what had Tony Blackburn done at that point? He yeah. just had the period where he was crying because his wife had left him. Oh, OK. Mm. Yeah. Cheer himself up by watching Evil Knievel smack into the side of a double-decker bus. Yeah. yeah. It was real showbiz, though, that, wasn't it? It was real show-offy showbiz. And because it's pre-social media, you had to watch it on the television or you had to go to the live event and... Yeah. I mean, you are basically paying for the possibility of watching someone die. Oh, very much so. It was always on the cards, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. it broke so many bones. I think he tried to jump a ravine at one point in like a rocket. Yeah. That didn't go well either. <laughs> yeah. We could have told him that, couldn't no. we? But it was the whole, it's that 1970s showy American machismo. Mm-hmm. And it's so showbiz. It's great. It really is. There's no shame yeah. to it at all. No it? shame no. to it. This is what I do. I'm wearing a cape. What are you going to do about it? I'm wearing an actual cape. <laughs> I might start wearing a cape. I've got yeah. so many rhinestones on my suit. I've got so many. It's just, and it was beautiful, wasn't it? With the, yeah, the V that came down. Oh, glorious, glorious. Glorious, yeah. A 1970s Americano. That's what I'm putting into the box. Yes. Yeah. And we will represent it with that. That one that little thing. Evil yeah. And I think when you set it off, it reared up, didn't it? Oh. It did a wheelie. They're quite expensive now, aren't they? Collectible. I'm sure items. they are. Yeah. Lovely. Mm. All right, that's two things. Okay, so what's number three? What's number three? Hello, it's me again. We have to interrupt this lovely chat with the wonderful Zoe Lyons to tempt you with some adverts. Of course, if you'd rather listen to this podcast without ads, then you just need to sign up to ACAST Plus. But in the meantime, here are those very adverts. Cheers. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Welcome back to part two of my time capsule with Zoe Lyons. Right, let's discover what else you would like to put in her time capsule. I'm going to put in my scuba mask. Do you like scuba diving? Yeah, and I've seen such incredible things through that scuba mask. I bet. I've seen beautiful things, so it's a happy item for me. Yeah. What led you to do it in the first place? About nine years ago, my wife and I went to a place called Roatan in Honduras on a whim. Mm. I'd been having breakfast. <laughs> this is such a ridiculous story. I've been having breakfast with a, an old university friend of mine who, who mentioned that his wife's mum looked after this eco-resort on this island in Honduras called mm. Roatan. And he said, it's really beautiful, you should look it up. And I went, oh, I think we'll go there. So we looked it up and we thought, well, let's go there, well, let's give it a go. <laughs> yeah. And it turned out to be one of, um, I didn't know who's prior to going, it's one of the best places in the world to go diving. So we were there for a couple of weeks and after the first week we went, should we give it a go, should we do it? When in Rome, it'd be silly not to. We'll go deep. Yeah, we'd be fine, it'd be nice, warm. She won't mind me saying this, but my wife struggled with it quite badly, with the old sort of panic attacks, sort of initially getting into the water. Mm. Um, I loved it, but we did it. We finished the course and it sort of changed our life because after that we just started going different places around the world to go diving. So she got used to it. She got used to it. Yeah, she got used to it. And it's been a huge part of our lives ever since then. So when you think, I'm going away, the first thing you think of is diving. Diving. Well, we've just come back from three weeks in Mexico where we went to an island off Baja called Socorro, and it's one of the best places in the world to go. It's 300 miles straight out into the Pacific. There's nothing there except for this tiny little island. Mm. And you go there because of the, uh, you get huge schools of sharks coming through there because of the cold waters, huge schools of sharks and the um, oceanic manta rays, which are just enormous and beautiful. And it was, it was, it was unbelievable. It was stunning. It was really stunning. I cried in that mask. I cried in that scuba mask because Mm. all I wanted to see was a hammerhead shark. I was like, as long as I see a hammerhead shark, I'll I'll be happy. And on one of the dives, just this enormous school of hammerheads came out of the, oh. the murky... There was quite... The visibility was a bit iffy, so you were like, is it them? Are they there? Is it... Oh, they're there? You know, and then, they, then, they, then they're there, and you're like, oh, my God! Yeah. <laughs> and these beasts are just fascinating. They're beautiful. Very impractical head. I mean, they struggle... <laughs> they struggle to get a hat, but wow! They are <laughs> stunning... Stunning. All sharks are, I think. Oh my god! I mean, there was. We went on one dive, and afterwards, the the guide who we had said, "I've never seen them do that before." We were literally surrounded by white tips. There were hundreds of sharks around us, just all around us. Did you not feel frightened in that situation? I didn't feel frightened in that situation. I have felt frightened. Mm. I have felt frightened. And then I remember that, like, sharks are highly sensitive to all of your sort of bits that you're giving off. And I'm like, try not to feel, give off fright. <laughs> right. Don't give off fright. And I've learned on these dives where there are sharks that, you know, if one comes close, you have to stare it in the, you have to stare it in the eye. That's what you're told. Stare it in the eye and it'll back Stare off. it down as stare it Stare it down. Wow. And I had to do that a couple of times. But they are incredible beasts. I just feel so incredibly lucky to have been able to do that. I'm so, I know I'm, I'm incredibly privileged to be able to af- afford to go to these places and see these, see this nature, which mm. is, it just blows my mind. It absolutely blows my mind. And um, on one of the dives we were on, we were 
pretty much surrounded by bull sharks. They're big things. They're big things. They're quite big things. <laughs> there's tiger sharks and there's bull sharks. And like Shark's already quite a sort of strong word. If you put bull and tiger in front of it yeah. as well, yeah. It's a bit of a clue, isn't it's it? It's a bit of a clue. But, you know, they weren't, they're not interested in us because we're not in their food chain. And but we were with these bull sharks and in the background I could, there were whales singing. There were whales in the vicinity. We didn't see them in the, the water, but we could hear them. Oh, my God. And it, it's just amazing. It's just absolutely amazing. We're bizarre creatures, aren't we? In as much as, first of all, that those whales were just seen as a source of oil. Yeah. For many, many years. Yeah. And still are in some places. Yeah. Uh, those are extraordinary creatures. Yeah. And that sharks are slaughtered in their millions. Yeah, for their fins. For their fins. Yeah, and they're so beautiful. Such incredible design. Mm. I mean, I watch these bull sharks and they hardly move. They appear to not you know, move a muscle and yet they are gliding through that water and you're yeah. like, wow! Mm. And I'd never seen this before, but, you know, a shark coming towards you and the sun catching its nose underwater is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. It's just, yeah, it's the reflection of the sun on its nose is just, yeah, I found it really moving. I mm. found it really... No, I can imagine it. Because they, it, yeah. they are such magnificent creatures, aren't they? Oh. Have you got an ambition then with sharks? Is it great whites or...? Um, I don't know how I feel about it. I mean, I, people always go, well, why aren't you scared? You know, a little bit, you know. I mean, I won't. We're always with a guide that knows what they're doing. And those people do it almost every day. Yeah, almost every day. Mind you, on one of the dives, a tiger shark did come up quite rapidly from the depths and have a very close look at one of the dive guides. And he did say later that he almost evacuated his his lunch. So, yeah, again, he had to turn around quickly and sort of make himself big and it, it changed his mind. Wow. That would be the fear for me, the fear of, wow, look at those wonderful things as something comes from behind. From behind, mm. yeah. I, I swam in circles. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I say I was, I did, I was very much sort of, yeah. oh, I did swim in circles. Other people are really cool and chilled out about it. I'm not that cool and chilled out about it. I, of course, I'm like, oh, my God, you know, what if it comes up behind me or, yeah. But they say, don't they, that to a large extent, they're really not interested. Oh, they're still not interested, no. yeah. It'll be something else that sets them off. Mm. And my friend uh, that I go diving with, he, he was out in South Africa once and uh, they told everybody the particular sharks they were with. I can't remember what sharks, I think they were raggy tooth sharks, but um, they said, you know, if you've got anything flapping about, tuck it in because they will think it's a fish. <sighs> and this guy went down and hadn't tucked his hood in. <laughs> and my friend Rob got an amazing picture of this shark biting his hood. Like, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. But not him. But not him. No. Thought it was a, a flappy fish. And the place we were is famous for again, for its oceanic manta rays, which are just enormous. Their wingspan is, you know, bigger than this room. And they are so intelligent and so gentle and so inquisitive. It's, it's out of this world. It really is out of this world. And I had one come right towards me. It went right off my head. And my head was in the way, and it so gently raised its wing up until it was past me and then dropped <laughs> its wing again. And I was like, wow, this is just it's breathtaking. It's really breathtaking. Yeah, because they're aware that you're not right. You're not right, you're yeah. Not, you're not for here. Not, what are you doing here with your... Yeah, yeah. I've never seen one of with you. With your metal lungs hanging out. <laughs> yeah. So Brilliant. that has been 
you know, one of the highlights of my life. And when I can't sleep at night or I'm feeling stressed, I think about sharks. Fantastic. <laughs> All right, I'm going to put your mask in. Yeah, mask sewing in. So we've got we've only got two left. We've got one that you want to keep and yeah. one you want to put in there and forget. Right. Do you want my one that I'm going to keep first? Yeah, if you want to. Yeah. Um, I'm going to put in my trail running shoes because they've carried me lots of places and I, I've found sort of exercise and sport later on in life. I wasn't very sporty as a kid. <laughs> I still get flashbacks to sports. Too many cap guns to fire. But you know what? Yeah, I was busy with my cap guns. Yeah. I was too busy with my cap guns and my Eva Knievel. Perfectly acceptable. Um, yeah, sports day. Absolute nightmare. I'm so mal-coordinated. <laughs> um, couldn't run. Um, was always last. And hated PE at school because I just couldn't do it. I'm a, I'm a bit, I think I'm a bit dyspraxic. I'm definitely a bit dyslexic. So I think the two things go hand in hand. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Still remember having to do the, the trampoline over the, the box. Do you remember uh, that? Yeah. Mm. Properly, Eva Knievel it straight into the side of the box, just <laughs> off the springboard and just smack straight into the side. Like, how does she do that? It's <laughs> harder to do than actually clearing it. That's, yeah, just really mal-coordinated. So <laughs> I just really wasn't involved in sport at all when I was younger. And then it was when I was got older and I, you know, and particularly during the pandemic, started, started running. Right. And then running and running and running and running. Well, that recently, that's brilliant. Uh, yeah, I mean, I probably started running about seven years or so ago, but then once you know, once we had the time, just went longer and longer distances. Mm. And it culminated in my brother and I running from uh, London to Brighton. We did wow. a 100k run. Yeah. God. I say run. <laughs> yeah. That's a strong word. Mm. We ran half of it and then ran walk the rest of it. Mm. Yeah. Oh, it's a long way to walk. It's it is a long way. It is a very, 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 very long way. Yeah. yeah. I suppose the thing is that once you've, they always say this about sport, that once you develop the fitness, once you develop the capability of doing it, yeah. it becomes joyous. Yeah. I, did I hit joy on that journey? Um, <laughs> yeah. There's a weird sort of moment of sort of zen-like calm where I, think, I find it very hard to focus. And I find it very hard to not be distracted. But doing something like that, it is a solo occupation you are just running you've got to start and you've got to finish and that is it and you've just got to run in between and mm. I find that really calming yeah because it's, it's all you're doing it's all you're doing you just that's all you've got to do so everything else sort of fades away and, it and it's not a competition level. either is it no and those this was an organised event and it's always fascinating you know the shapes and sizes of people that take part in these things and the way that they do it. And, you know, some people walk it all, some people do it over two days, some people run it really quickly, some people, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah. matter how you do it, as long as you're doing it. And I think it was about 80 kilometres in. I, so it took me about 80 kilometres to go, I don't know why I'm doing this. <laughs> <laughs> we were coming over Ditchling Beacon at night. It was about two o'clock in the morning. Because we started at eight in the morning and it was two o'clock the next morning. Pitch dark. Both of our, I did it with my brother, both of our knees had gone. And I just went, why are we, why are we doing this? <laughs> why are we doing it? And it was at that point, I was like, this is when people give up. It was 20 kilometres ago. Yeah, this is when people give up. And yet 20 kilometres is, that's a long way. Yeah, it didn't seem like... I was like, we'll, we'll get this done. And it's an unfair run, that, isn't it? Because oh my to choose, God. you go over all those... Escarpments, don't you? Yeah. So you have those great you big finish hills. going up the South Downs. Oh, of course, yeah. In the dark. Oh. 
Oh, it was brutal. I mean, it was absolutely... I've never been in so much pain in my life. I said I'd never do it again. And then it's about three days later. I think those, those sort of experiences, it's a few days later you go, God, I love that. <laughs> no, it stopped. I loved it. So I signed up for another one. But, uh, <laughs> that one didn't go to plan. I had to pull out. My knee mm. really went. So but I'm doing another one in September and I'm determined to make it to the end. So your shoes are specialist, are they? They're, they're sort of all they're weather. They're bespoke, but they're for running off-road. Right. I love them. I'm so lucky that where I live, one side I've got the sea, the other side I've got the South Downs. And just, the South Downs are just such a, a gem of a location. Mm. It's beautiful. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, just, I, I'm fascinated by how far you can go on your own pegs. I, um, I'd like to do a really, really, really long walk or run at some point because it is so good for my brain. It's 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 so low focus. It's it's one activity you've got to you know, yeah, yeah. finish it. So my wife and I are going on a going on a first walking holiday this year. Oh my <laughs> god, that's peak middle age, isn't it? Um, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, little knapsack, those zippy on and off shorts, <laughs> the Rowan kaleidoscope trouser. Oh yeah. If you practice your morning, morning, good morning, earlier <laughs> on, yeah, I might even get one of those sort of French Foreign Legion hats with a flappy bit at the back, like a complete twat, yeah, yeah. lovely, yeah. I look forward to seeing the photographs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Okay, well, let's put those running shoes in. Don't and then finally, mm. the thing I would, I think, happily never see again. So when we were on this boat in Mexico, it was, you are within half an hour out of reception. So there was no phones. We had no phones. Right. We had no phones and no internet for 11 days. And I think it's the future. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I didn't miss it that much. I didn't miss it that much at all. For the first day or so, I went to pick up my phone and went, oh, no, it doesn't, doesn't work. There's no point. Right. So I then put it down. Because that's just habit. It's habit, 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 habit. Mm. So then after two days, I didn't even think about it. And um, I can understand why we have them and know why we need them, but I really wish I could put mine in a box and never see it again Uh, because it's not good for people like me who are so easily distracted and who do, you know, I struggle to get things done. And it's an additional addiction that we have in our lives now that I could quite happily live without, I think. You know, I would like... I don't have the strength to put it away. It needs to be put in that box and buried. Right. I need you to put it in the box and buried. Okay, all right. Yeah. I'll do it for you. And quite deeply. Yes. So you, have so to... you can't even, even if it's on loud, you can't hear. No. Uh, Just a little thing. Yeah. Is that my action? Quick, get me a spade. That's the thing with it as well, isn't it? As a performer, whenever the phone rings, first thing is, is it the job? Is it my agent? So you have these mini explosions of hope. Um, <laughs> and often it's not. It's somebody going, oh, we're in your area at the moment doing windows. Do you want some windows? And you're like, I don't So it messes with, it takes away your attention and it also messes with your expectations. Mm-hmm. And so, also, it, in a way, it sort of commands you, doesn't it? It's not like, well, this is a really useful tool that I can decide to use or not. Yeah. If it rings or if it bleeps... If you have a push notification, but if yeah. you immediately turn to it, it's, you can't it's, even right in the middle. Of, yeah. I have to tell you, your mum is being. Bing. Sorry, oh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's that validation thing, isn't it? Somebody's phoning me. I need to be. Yeah, somebody's yeah. messaging me. Somebody's and it's changing our brains and it's changing the way that we behave. And it's you know, it's Valentine's Day this week, and I went past the restaurant and I just saw people sitting. 
on their phone on Valentine's Day, just on their phone. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> Oh my god! But I know I would do it too because you know my wife might say, "Who? What was the name of that explorer that went?" I'm like, "Oh, I'll Google that." And then mm. before you know it, you're down a rabbit hole of. Yeah. I think yeah, we should all be just forced around to wheel around the um, Encyclopedia Britannica with us and just look things up in a book. Yeah, there should be a rule with the phone. I think that if you ask it a question, it says, "Well, I'm going to wait five minutes before I tell you that," so you might remember it yourself. Yeah, and I know it's a common. Complaint. There's no way we're going to not have them in the future. But I think I think they'll probably be in the same way that people go on yoga retreats now. The de- definite detox centres, and I think they already exist where you can just go and switch off and yes, be human. Yeah, yeah. And we are cursing a younger generation because small children think you should spend your entire life with your face yeah. looking at and, a phone. Yeah, because they watch people do it. Yeah. It's, it's I want to be like mummy. Yeah, yeah. And there's so much... Oh, I'm going to sound like a right old hippie No, now. I'm as guilty as anybody. But when there's so much beauty around I you, can't... you don't have to go diving in Mexico to see it. You know, even just today there was a... <laughs> I'm so old now. This is... I'm so <laughs> oh, God. I'll be showing you my National Trust badges in a minute. But when there is so much beauty around us, when there is so much beauty around us, I find it sad. I do find it sad. And I, and I, and I don't like myself when I fall into that habit of being sucked into it. I don't like myself. Yes, you think you're going to learn the lesson. I, something happened to me the other day where I looked at my watch and poured coffee all over myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I looked around and everybody was looking at their phone, looking at... YouTube yeah. videos. Yeah. And I thought, what well, is one happening? Yeah, it was it's right in front of your eyes. Yeah. I've gone viral. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But no, nobody saw it. Nobody saw it. No. So, yeah, to have 10 days on a boat with no phone. Yeah. It was great. Nice. Really great. So, yes, I put the phone in the box. If I do get a big job, obviously... My pager will go off. So, um, <laughs> I mean, if it's big enough, yeah. you can wait for the letter. Yeah, the letter will come through the post. It will not a little messenger boy. Yeah. Paging Zoe Lyons, yeah. paging Zoe Lyons. But I think that's what it is. I think it's those little, those little explosions of hope that you get from, you know, we're always wondering about what will be next, what's happening next. You know, did I get this job? Am I up for that? Have I had that? Has this gone? Well, that's mm. gone away. And it's quite an exhausting way to live your life, really. So I'm trying to be in the present. Yes. Well, in the present, I'm going to say thank you very much for giving me your time before you do your show. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Tonight, which is... Absolute pleasure. I'm so honoured by it. Oh, absolute pleasure. Pleasure is all mine, so thank you very much. 
You have been listening to My Time Capsule with me, Mike Fenton-Stevens, and my lovely guest, Zoe Lyons. Thanks to her for talking to me, and thank you to Trinity Theatre in Tunbridge Wells for letting us go backstage and record. It's a great theatre. If you ever get the chance, go there. And, of course, thank you for listening to this podcast. I know how many there are for you to choose from, so we're honoured that you've chosen ours. If you liked it, which I assumed you did because you got to the end, do rate or review it if you have the time. Rating takes seconds, of course. Reviewing is more involved, obviously. And, of course, you can click subscribe, and then we'll send you every episode as it's released. Feel free to pass it on to your friends, because, as Eddie Large used to say, every little helps. Yeah, if you'd like to hear the theme tune in full with nothing spoiling it, i.e. my voice, then you can download or stream it on Spotify. It was written and performed by Pass the Peas Music. I'm on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook and possibly TikTok. Not that I have the faintest idea how to use that one yet. You might also like to follow my time capsule on social media, where I'm sure you'll get fewer but more coherent messages than I manage. This was a cast-off production for Acast. Our editor and producer was John Fenton Stevens. Right, I'll be back soon with another episode of My Time Capsule, and we are working on Chatty Natty, a podcast which you may have heard me mention before, which we're planning to do with my autistic grandson, Nathaniel. Yes, it's about time he took centre stage, rightly so. I can promise it's going to be fantastic, but there are only so many hours in a day, I'm afraid. Do bear with us, we will get there. There's no such thing as can't in my vocabulary. And I like the abbreviation can't, short for cannot. Whereas I'm not keen on the abbreviation don't, which I assume is short for donut. Or am I just being silly? No, that cannot possibly be true. I wingnut accept it. I wingnut accept. I don't think that joke works. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>